podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. I'm Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. On Perpetual Chess, I have weekly conversations with the chess world's best players, promoters, and educators about their lives, careers, current projects, and best practices. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters. For more information, go to perpetualchesspod.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. We've got another great guest for you guys this week. He is a grandmaster. He is a coach for the English Chess Federation, and he is a prolific and acclaimed author of 37 chess books, including the recently published Coach Yourself, A Complete Guide to Self-Improvement, published by Everyman Chess. So, Grandmaster Neil McDonald, thank you for joining us. Okay, thank you. That's great. Uh, so excited to have you as a guest. I mean, you've got so much uh, chess improvement advice and chess history woven into your books. I've uh, been using them both for my own chess and as a scholastic coach for, for many years, and I got a chance to check out Coach Yourself, and I enjoyed it. And we'll talk about that more later. But first of all, Neil, I know you said you had a story to kick off with. So could you share this uh, this story with our listeners? Okay, so um, um, I sort of looked at your website and I thought, you know, there's loads of great stuff here. You know, you know you've got famous um, players, uh, writers, you know, sort of uh, shakers, movers, and, and so on. And, and I thought, you know, I thought, God, this is going to be hard to improve on, <laughs> you, know, you know, the stuff that's, that's here. So um, I sort of, um, sort of phone, phone, phoned my mum, and I was sort of talking to her, because <laughs> so, sometimes you, you still have to get advice, it, even if you're sort of 52 years old, you know. And um, she sort of said to me, "Okay, so you're doing a podcast. What's that?" <laughs> so, so, so I explained to her, and, uh, and then, then, then she said to me, "Oh, so, so it's a sort of radio interview." And uh, then she said. Um, she she heard, heard heard this world champion give give a radio interview during a tournament in Holland. So so I sort of said, to her, okay, let me guess, a tournament in Holland. Um, that's probably Magnus Carlsen talking about about Bill Kenze, you know, about Tata Steel. So she said, oh no, that wasn't him. So I sort of um, said, okay, so you, you, you probably heard uh, uh, Kasparov say something about chorus steel, you know, or, or so. And she said, no, that that wasn't him. So then I sort of started getting interested. And I said, okay, did you hear this interview? Uh, and sort of, was it, you know, Karpov? And she, she said, no. So, so then I sort of tried... Um, you know, no, I, I tried. Was it um, no, sort of Spassky, Petrosian? Um, was it in a, a Rotterdam? So on. You know, no, so I tried all, all these possible things, and and uh, and uh, then we kept going back further and further in time to sort of the 1960s. You know, sort of Hilversum and, and all, all that with um, uh, sort of Smizlov and, and, and um, these guys. Until finally, uh, and I sort of said, I sort of said to, her, "Okay, Mum, so did you did you hear uh, 
Botvinnik give a live interview at the, the Hague in 1948. And I thought, you know, no, I thought, did you really hear that? And, and uh, she said no. <laughs> and uh, so I was going back further. And, 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 uh, and the actual thing is that she'd heard this BBC radio interview in 1938. And uh, that was the um, Afro uh, 1938 tournament. And, and, uh, and she'd heard this interview with uh, Alexander Alikin. And, and uh, she sort of heard it when she was um, seven. <laughs> and, 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 and I thought, and, and, um, she, and, and uh, that, that was just before the, before the war. And uh, she sort of um, she, she sort of heard it with her father. And uh, she sort of um, said to her, and what's a, a grandmaster? And he sort of said to you know, and he sort of said to me, it's, it's a really old man with a with a very long beard. <laughs> you know, and uh, so that's it. Yeah, so, you know, just incredible. That's an amazing and, story. And incredible that, that you remember, too. Yeah, yeah that's what, because I sort of said to her, uh, you know, can you remember the interview at all? And, of course, she couldn't remember a thing, thing about it. But, but the actual interview is on a, a YouTube, you know, no, 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 so that's quite incredible. So I, I, I sort of found it on, on a, a YouTube, and, and I played it back to her, you know, on, on the phone. So, so she's finally heard it again all these years later. Wow. Me, she doesn't play chess, but, mm. but she's probably my number one fan. <laughs> the, you know, right of course, that. yeah. But, That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, so it's just incredible. You'll have to send me the link, and I'll include it in the show notes so that anyone else who wants to check it out <laughs> can take yeah. a listen. That that's yeah. incredible, incredible chess history right there, um, which of course is uh, is you know part of the reason that I'm excited to have you as a guest. And Neil, I assure you that no, uh, no one suffers from imposter syndrome more than me. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, as you said, I get to, I'm lucky yeah. enough to get to talk to to so many um, incredible chess players and walking chess encyclopedias. So yeah. I you know that I just kind of. Uh, you know, try to maintain tunnel vision and keep moving forward. And, you know, don't, don't look around and worry about, uh, you know, anyone okay, thank else. You, thank you. I'll, I'll try. I'll try not to. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you mentioned it in, in terms of another story and speaking of chess history, you, I know you mentioned in an email that you'd, you'd heard me talk to Evgeny Bereev last week mm, um, yeah. about, and of course we talked about Soviet chess and you mentioned yeah. that in uh, 1986 uh, you had a trip to the Soviet Union. That's right. Yes, I was very fortunate um, because I mean, um, if I sort of start in, in sort of um, uh, February 1986, there was this big tournament in London. Um, it was a sort of Phillips and Drew Grandmaster tournament, and, and, and uh, that contained 14 players. And I, I was then playing it in the uh, second tournament down. You know, this, it was, was a 16-player all-player tournament, and um, this. The top section was um, really strong. It contained world-class players, so that there were people like, um, you know, um, you know, Spassky, uh, Portish, Ridley, uh, John Nunn, you know, the, these sort of guys, Fagalian, and uh, you know, and, and, and uh, representing uh, uh, the Soviet Union, that there was um, uh, 
Spassky sort of moved to France with his wife, but he, he was still representing the Soviet Union. And, and, and uh, there was uh, uh, Lev Poligievsky, uh, who lived in Moscow, I think. And, and uh, then there's Vaganian, who, who, who was from uh, Armenia, but, but that was part of the Soviet Union then. And um, so, so there was lots of very good players in that tournament. And, and, and at the start of it, you know, so of, of course, in those days, uh, uh, the Soviet Union was controlled by the Communist Party, you know, sort of totalitarian state. And, and, and uh, you can just travel to other countries. And, and all the, um, you know, if you were sort of good communist person, you, you sort of call your fellow party members um, a sort of comrade, you know, so it'd be, you know, it'd be comrade Stalin, comrade Lenin, and, and uh, that sort of thing. And, and at the start of this tournament, we sort of, um, uh, they got together the players from the tournament and uh, we were waiting for it to start um, Bob Wade was doing the uh, draw for the you know, for the tournament and, and uh, we had to go on, on stage and uh, uh, forget our draw numbers and um, so Bob was saying um, you know sort of Mr. Mr. Ridley you know, you know Mr. Portish and uh, no, it's Mr. Vaganian, and then finally he got to Mr. Poligievsky, and and and, uh, and uh, when he got to Mr. Poligievsky, um, Spassky suddenly suddenly stood up and he, he sort of waved his arms around, and, and he said, "No, no, no, it's not Mr. Poligievsky, it's comrades hmm. Poligievsky," <laughs> and and. Um, you know, and, and I thought, it, thought that was quite funny. And, and, and I sort of, you know, I, I sort of laughed because I sort of looked around and there was no one laughing apart from me. And, and, uh, and, and uh, then, then um, uh, that was my first sort of, sort of close-up experience of the sort of geopolitical tension. Wow, yeah, and you were what? Because, because Spassky, you know, no, no, Spassky, Spassky was sort of, legal dissident you, you could say and 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 uh yeah so so that's the way and uh then i was quite quite fortunate because i i uh came came first in the second tournament and uh i got you know and, and got got the chance to go to the soviet union because i sort of gained loads of rating points and so on but oh, oh but but talking about the that tournament uh the glc 1986 tournament. Um, I should mention that the person that won the tournament, the top section was Glenn Fleer, and I, and, and, and I think that's the that's probably the, the sort of biggest shock result of all time in chess. Sorry, who? Sorry, say the uh, last part again. Glenn Fleer won the tournament. Okay, Glenn Fleer. I don't think I even know that name. Yeah, he's a grandmaster. Okay. Uh, and and, and uh, he came first. He, he finished ahead of Portish, Ribley, you know, you know Spassky, these guys, Vaganian. And, and, and uh, he won the tournament. And, and uh, he, he stepped into play because because um, uh, Karpov w- w- was supposed to play. Oh, wow. But he dropped out. So Glenn Fleer stepped in 
came clear first in the tournament. And that's before and, uh, the days no, that you could accuse someone of com- cheating with computers. Yeah, yeah. They, that's what, <laughs> these def- days, you, you, you probably think uh, it's that. But I, I think that's probably the, the sort of sort of largest uh, sort of surprise result there's been. Because, uh, you know, no, cause, I mean, sometimes, like, say, for example, Fisher, uh, he, he became a US champion when, it, when he was 14. Right, but, but but that doesn't seem such a surprise now, does it? Not in hindsight, no. <laughs> because he got it again, and, and sort of Karpov, I, I think one of the tournaments he wasn't supposed to. You know, you know, he was starting to get. But it doesn't seem surprising. But but with Glenn Fleur winning the tournament, and then subsequently, you know, you know, he didn't play at that sort of level. That was a yeah, because yeah, so so um, that's why. So, so he got a good prize from that. And I, I think it, it, he sort of spends it uh, getting that house, so that sort of set him up, up as a, you know, sort of chess player, professional chess player, and uh, yeah, so so that was um, uh, no no quite but uh, but uh, um, but talking about going to the Soviet Union, and that was sort of an interesting experience, because like I was saying, in those days, uh, uh, the Soviet so. Players, they couldn't just travel to the West, you know, you know, you know, unless you're a Bulgarian or something to get chosen to play. You've got to stay in the Soviet Union. So therefore, I mean, few were sort of sort of young, uh, fairly strong player from the West. You, you, you could sort of go there and get to play some very big names. So wow. I uh, got to play Tal, uh, Romanishin, Asma Prashvili, all these sort of guys. Um, in this tournament, and, and oh, and, and uh, I took my copy of, of uh, Tell's book, the, the Life and Games of Mikhail Tell. Yeah, classic book. So I, I got him to um, um, sign it, <laughs> which is you know nice. But but the whole, um, it, it, like I say, it's all sort of different. It's a sort of Cold War uh, sort of scenario. Uh, so this tournament I played in, uh, uh, there was lots of. Um, uh, Soviet players, plus plus those about um, uh, those those about four players from Eastern Europe. So a couple of the players are probably quite familiar. Uh, there's some called Forsha, who you probably noted yeah. or recognise the name Forsha. Yeah. His daughters play chess, and, and uh, his daughter um, uh, uh, won the US Championship. Uh, some, some yeah, she's been years. on the podcast actually, Sabina Forscher. Um, oh, oh, has she? Oh, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. really, really nice young lady and great representative for for chess and women in chess. Uh, shout out to Sabina. Um, so, I mean, there, <laughs> there's so much I want to know about this trip. But first of all, you, I, I must confess, you had me look up Glenn Fleer because I felt bad that I, I the name didn't <laughs> didn't ring a yeah. bell. Uh, I'm looking yeah. at his Wikipedia page uh, as we speak. So they say, but so they say 1986 London event, but it was Soviet Union, That's correct? Right. Was the tournament in London? The, um, uh, the, the tournament which he won was in London. Okay. Because yeah, what I was explain, I have played in this 15, 15 round tournament, and uh, and um, and I uh, got sort of. Sort of qualified to go. Oh, that's to how you qualified to go Union. to the Soviet Union. Okay, got it. Um, and yeah, it says, sorry, I was, sorry, I was a bit confused. I, I, I sort of went off a tangent. No, it's a great story. A bit, uh, 
And it says, Glenn Fleer, to round off the happy occasion, he married five-time French ladies champion Christine Leroy during the event. (laughs) Yes. That's a great story. And now he's in Montpellier. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Nice town. Doing well. Good place to live. Nice guy as well. Okay, yeah. well, Glenn, I, if if somehow you catch wind of this, my my deep apologies for not <laughs> not knowing of your legacy. Um, all yeah. right, so Neil, uh, going to the Soviet Union, you're you're nineteen. Were you nineteen or twenty? Do you remember? Uh, nineteen. Okay, and uh, what were so what were your memories culturally? Like, where did you stay? Uh, did you did you have any Russian at all? How were you able to sort of navigate the the world besides just obviously uh, playing super strong chess players is is its own challenge. That's right. Yeah, it's a bit of a, sort of a, a culture shock because, like, for example, it, it just seems like you, you know talk about Foysha. Uh, that there's someone it was called uh, Tibor Karoli. You probably know that. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, well-known but, author. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and, and uh, so about there. For, for example, there's all things like it, just to show the way things were different in those days. Um, um, and on TV, there was present. Reagan uh, giving a speech because it, this was it in 1986, just about the time the sort of Gorbachev was sort of changing things, you know, no, 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 just like a, and, 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 and uh, Reagan was giving a speech, and, and I was watching it with, with uh, you know the, the two other players, you know, um, Foysha and Kohli, and and and, uh, and uh, um, uh, uh, he, he said to me, of, of course you can't understand a word he's saying can you <laughs> that's what he said to me so, uh, so i sort of said to him, oh yes I, I can understand it exactly what he's saying you know what president drake is saying on, on the tv and, and, and he said no you can't because uh, um because the accent's completely different and you speak um you know you know sort of uk english he speaks a uh, American English, you can't understand him. <laughs> so, so that's really it's bizarre. Huh. You know, because no, so, so some people are, you know, they're talking, you can't understand. Like, you know, you know there's some people from um, Glasgow, say, for example, in Scotland, and, and it's very difficult to understand what they're saying sometimes, you know, because you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a thick accent. But, but yes, yeah, so that's a, so just that sort of thing. The way that people didn't realise, you know, to know that you can understand these things, and, and uh, there was um, and uh, say, say for example, um, you know, uh, I sort of stand in this hotel room, and uh, and, and uh, sort of came back one day, and, and uh, there were two men in um, in them suits uh, coming from my room. And uh, we sort of walked past each other, and uh, you know they sort of looked at me. I sort of looked at them, but they said nothing. And and and, and uh, so, so I went into my room, and uh, there was nothing stolen and nothing, you know, sort of you know taken. So so I, I think that sort of KGB guy just checking up. Wow. No, you know, and and uh, you know that sort of thing. But the, but we we had all sorts of uh, conversations about you know history and so on there. And you know, and it's surprising what people didn't know. You know, like there's this guy, there's this uh, guy there who was a history 
um, student, and, and uh, you know, and, and he didn't know that at the start of the uh, the, the Second World War, that there's this treaty between the, the Soviet Union and Germany, and, and uh, you know, you know, and, and the treaty involved, you know, sort of dividing, you know, Poland between them, you know, you know, during the war and that. And, and I sort of, you know, and I sort of said to him, you, you know, this is well-known treaty between the, the countries that sort of led to the war. And, and he said, no, there was no such treaty. And, 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 the, and the, he got his uh, facts from the from the United Nations. And, uh, and uh, you know, and if, if there had been such a treaty, he would have been told about it. And, and uh, that sort of thing. So, surprising what people didn't 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 know, you know. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, and, and, uh, when you said about Russian, um, <laughs> I mean it wasn't a this tournament, but I sort of played in in Russia again about four years later, and and uh, suddenly this guy uh, came rushing towards me, and he said. Davai McDonald, Davai, and I thought, you know, no, 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 what's he doing? And I sort of being attacked, something, and and uh, you know, no, no, so I sort of flinched, flinched back, and uh, and uh, this Russian guy, you know, he sort of told me, oh, he was just being friendly because sort of uh, means uh, sort of go on, go yeah, ahead, let's go, you know, very yeah. so saying, uh, go on, McDonald. So you know, they're, they're sort of trying to spy me, and, and, and uh, uh, they thought it was quite funny. The other tournament players. So when they wrote uh, about the tournament, that was a headline of the a tournament. You know, to buy McDonald. <laughs> nice. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so baby, it's really um, you know, you know, you can pick up so much uh, sort of history and. You know, sort of learn about dif- different p- perspectives from people through, you know, through, you know, through sort of ch- chess and, you know, traveling and so on. But so where else have you been? I mean, I imagine many places between your playing and your, your work as a trainer. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, one time I, I, I coached it in this, uh, uh, this uh, tournament in 1991. Uh, in, in, in in Serbia, and, and, and uh, that was during the uh, conflict. You know, there was this right, yeah. war, but, but you know, no, no, when they were um, um, split, split up, and, and it was, you know, that, that was a bit oppressive. But uh, um, but but uh, you know, I was talk 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 about Forshe. He was there uh, with his wife, uh, uh, Christine, and. Um, so you know, I, I, I was uh, coaching uh, Sheila Jackson there as well, and uh, sort of during the day, um, there's all these these sort of loudspeakers, you know, in the streets, and we're getting all this propaganda, uh, sort of pro-Serbian, you know, sort of a political stuff, and. Um, and uh, but but the good thing is the Foishers, uh, they they had had, had this sort radio, so uh, um, um, uh, we used to go upstairs 
during the night, and, and uh, we sort of listened to the radio, and, and uh, for sure, you know, it's called sort of Radio Free Europe, because it was a, a um, BBC uh, sort of news, and, and, and uh, we sort of discovered the truth, it's what, it's what was going on. Wow. Quite, uh, so, oh, and also, um, I played in Hungary, and um, and, and um, I sort of stayed with this guy, you know, this very old Hungarian guy, and um, you know, he spoke very good English, but I didn't know what to say to him. You know, you know, I was just, I was just to say hello, goodbye to him, and um, uh, just before leaving. No, so I had my first conversation with him. And he said he'd been a, a translator um, in Moscow during the Cuba Missile Crisis, which I thought, wow, no, that's so that's so interesting. You know, because you know, because he spoke Russian and he spoke English, and he was a Hungarian. So you know, and it was you know, he sort of told me stories about. About, you know, about the times, you know, you know, when they thought that there could be a nuclear war, and, uh, and, and he said he thought you no, know, that there was going to be a, a conflict, but then one of his friends uh, said that there was work there. He, he, he said he, he said that every war is caused by, is caused over uh, control of land, and he said in this case there's no fight over control of land. Therefore, there won't be a war. Hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and I think there's probably some tr- truth in that. That's interesting, you know? yeah. Huh. Y- yeah, so they're the point. They're the because I, I, I sort of play loads of chess, and, and, uh, but it's those sort of things that stick it in your mind, I think, you know. Yeah. You get a chance to travel and, uh, and um, so, so on. Yeah, you get perspective yeah. that you wouldn't get without that, without just yeah, taking yeah. you to those places. That that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, and, and also um, uh, there's this uh, there's this trip to uh, Ukraine um, in in about 1990, and uh, and, and uh, this is part part of um, Margaret Thatcher's trip there, and uh, you know because they were trying to sell you know you know you know sort of increase trade. Between the UK and, and, and uh, Ukraine, and uh, well, they got, so they decided to, to send some chess players as well to sort of play against the local, you know, schools and things. So there was a, so there was four of us. You know, you know there's me, uh, Chris Ward, you know, who's that grandmaster now, and, and uh, I think there's two other players, and. Um, and, and, and uh, it's quite fu- it's quite funny because they created this uh, London street in Kiev, and uh, so, you know, then which included all, all the you know all the sort of facilities that you, you don't get there, um, including a, a, um, a sort of credit card m- machines and that, you know, now sort of you know, and and um, it's quite, uh, so Chris Ward he got. A, a, out his uh, credit card, and he, he, he tried it in this machine to see if it works. And it was quite sort of dodgy thing to do, actually. You know, right. sort of. But then he was watched by 
uh, this large crowd of U- Ukrainians because it, they thought it, it was part of the show. <laughs> and and, and, and uh, fortunately, he kept his um, uh, card. You know, he, he didn't take it away. And, and, and then later on, on, on the, we sort of pretended to sort of be statues and things as you know, <laughs> sort of Westerners. Uh, you know, the, the, but yeah, so that was quite, you know. Great, great yeah. stories. And I know you you mentioned uh, you were kind enough to send me um, a few notes of uh, things that might be of interest. And by the way, Neil, it sounds like for, for your 38th or 39th book, you should just write a chess memoir. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. just just uh, compile all these stories, but but that you um that you had a chance to meet uh, David, legendary chess player David Bronstein. Oh yes, that was great actually, um, because uh, um, um, he came to London, and I think it's um, about nineteen ninety five or so, nineteen ninety six, and he stayed with uh, someone that. Um, Place the same club as me, you know. You know, he, he took a room in their house, and and, and I, I'm, I'm sort of not sure if there was some uh, condition that he had to play for our club, you know. And, 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 and he got, you know, you know, so he got to stay there in in return. But um, I got to go to a couple of tournaments with him, and, and so I got to talk to him quite a bit. And uh, yes, yeah, so, so I was a very interesting person and, and he sort of gave me some advice on, on the, how to improve and, and uh, you know, and, and uh, uh, that sort of thing. You know, no, as long as you could um, steer the conversation away from his 1951 match, yeah, I think, you know, no, as long as you, you can do that. And, right. Well, uh, I know uh, Genesis Sasanko in his book mentioned he had some difficulties tearing the conversation away from that, that it was sort <laughs> of, a, you yeah. know, uh, an obsession, unfortunately, for for Grandmaster Bronstein, but so what kind of uh, chess improvement advice d- did you get? Yeah, okay, so for, uh, um, so for example, um, um, uh, you know, things like uh, um, if you're calculating a variation, um, don't forget to breathe. Because he said what people do, you know, if, if, if they're thinking out a variation, cause they'll sit there, and, and uh, until they get to the finish of, of it, they'll hold their breath. But, but, but he suggested uh, that you should make sure you breathe, you know, to calculate, to which I think is good advice. And, and, and so he said um, things like, he said, um, if you're playing someone and you stand slight, slightly worse in, in saying end game. And, um, uh, you know, and, and they're sort of grinding it away. Um, try not to play the obvious move every time. And, and, and he showed me one of these games, you know, you know, it's, you know it's, it's an example. And he had this uh, rook and pawn in game. And, and, and he stood slightly worse. But instead of just playing normal, natural moves, he played this move, which gave him double uh, pawns. You know, it was still um, equal chances, but he says he sort of gave himself double pawns, so his opponent realizes he's still thinking that he's not gone to sleep, and, and uh, so then he gave him a 
draw a few moves later. You know, now you stop trying to win right. because he, you know, and uh, oh no, oh, no, the same theme. Um, he, he said, you know, um, he said, uh, there's this old trick, this old Russian trick where you sort of, uh, you know, if you're trying to win, but you, but you pretend that you're uh, not bothered, you know, so that you're. You know, you know, um, you're, you're sort of staring at the ceiling, or, or, or you know, you, you look tired, and you know, you, so, so your opponent gets careless. And he said, you know, now if you're playing someone that that, that does that sort of thing, he said, what you should do, you should, you should offer them a draw, snap them out <laughs> but, of it. But, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, of course, I'm, you had this. Yeah, and. Uh, Things like um, and uh, things like it, but you know, and, and um, I got to talk to him about this game he, he played against uh, someone called Kazim, uh, and um, I sort of saw it in uh, Chono's book, The Golden Dozen, and uh, according to that book, Bronstein made this combination uh, twenty moves long, and, and he said he played the most. Unexpected to win moving chess, and, and um, you know, and I, I thought, you know, and I saw this game, and, and I thought, did Bronstein really calculate twenty moves deep here before playing this? So I got the chance to, um, I'm sort of say to him, did you, you know, no, so, you know, and um, he said to me, no, you know, he, he was playing someone that that was very nervous, so you know, he didn't like. Uh, sacrifice, you know, he didn't like facing sacrifices. So he sort of sacrificed his pawn on, on sort of, you know, general principles. And, uh, and, and then he sort of won later on. And uh, so, you know, so so that was just a sort of um, story, that, you know, that, that that was in the, in the, in the book. No, it's a sort of good story. Yeah. You know, no, slightly, because I, I, I think sometimes stories are, are good, you know, no, they don't have to be a hundred percent true. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. No, as no, no, as Evgeny some... Brief uh, <laughs> alluded to last week. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes there can be some poetic license. Um, That's right. That's true. Though, though, yeah. You have got to be a bit careful. You don't go too far. You know. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. No, 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 for, 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 but there are some people. You know, he's like Edward Swinter, for example. No, you know, if if someone says something, you know, if someone gets a fact wrong, you know, in you know, he sort of, you know, sort of criticise them severely. Yeah, well, there's a difference between, you know, historical research, which I think it's obviously a good thing that people like Edward Winter are are as it were, holding people's feet to the fire and sort of uh, fact-checking where they can. Um, and as John Hartman has, has talked about, uh, book reviewer for U.S. Chess, like uh, treating yeah. chess as sort of, um, you know, an academic subject like any other. But in the topic of sort of a memoir, the, um, it's always, it's never going to be perfectly accurate whether you intend it to be or not, just because uh, memories by by nature are faulty things. So, I think that's where that's it gets true, yeah. there gets to be a little more gray area. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so we yeah. got some good improvement advice from David Bronstein, but we also we always want more improvement 
advice, Neil. And I've got some, as I sent you, I've got a few questions from my faithful supporters of the podcast relating to chess improvement. So if you don't mind taking a swing at them, are you ready? Yep. Yep. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So question number one is from my Twitter friend and recent supporter of the podcast, Neil Bruce. Neil, thank you for the support, first of all. So uh, Neil asks, if you're helping a 1700 rating player build an opening repertoire, would you steer her toward or away from any uh, any particular openings? For example, play the Tarash defense instead of the Nimzo Indian, etc. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a very interesting question. Um, but but think think the sort of golden rule should be, um, you know, they should choose what they want. You know, like if 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 someone wants to play the uh, Queen's Gambit, then they should, you know, play it. Because, for example, I, I, I was coaching someone young, someone who is about uh, is about twelve now, and um, he sort of he sort of loves the uh, Queen's Gambit, Tarash, you because know, he gets that pawn on d five, which some people say oh, okay, it's weak this uh, IQP but it, it sort of never proves weak in his his hands he, you know it's very very sharper and you know and so on and, and uh, so so I think if someone wants it you shouldn't uh, force someone to do it really because I mean people do go through you know phases where they try different stuff uh, for example if, 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 if you take a couple of, of the top English players uh, um, Matthew Sadler he went through a phase when he was, he was going one B3 on the first move. No, and he sort of did that for a while. And then you got someone like Michael Adams, who was good friends with Julian Hodgson, who, you know, who was a massive uh, Tromposky fan. So, so, so Mickey um, you know, started playing the Tromposky in, in every single game, but then he moved on. Yeah, from other things. So I, I, I think the golden rule is they should choose for themselves. Because so- I, I think sometimes it, it's like you know, if you're coaching someone and they play sound like sound like the uh, you know Queens go Tarash line, and uh, you think, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to do lots of studying. You know, myself, because it, because it, 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 it all loads of different systems for white, you know, sort of facing it, and I, I think um, uh, that you know sometimes it's just the, the coach sort of to prefer something simpler for them, you know, instead of what the player wants. But of course, you know, then the case of of a, of a, of a Kasparov, you know, you know, he loved the, the Queen's Gambit Tarash. Until he played Karpov in their match, yeah, their very first match, and then I think he lost about three times with it or something, uh, at least twice I think, and, and uh, then, then he stopped. He stopped playing it, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that that's what I'd say to that. What if know. it's something that's like actually unsound? Like, what if they want to play the wings gambit or something against the Sicilian or something that's just a bad opening? Like, is um, yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but because uh, um, 
Uh, and as long as they, they don't sound worse, I, I say uh, let let them do it. Because they'll they'll sort of grow up and change, or because because we're talking about someone young, I, I guess. Are we? Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, Neil we, is you know Neil is a working adult, so I'm I wouldn't necessarily oh, assume sorry, that. Uh, uh, oh, uh, okay, uh, okay. So, but but yeah, um, that's right. But then he should choose for you know you know he should. Sorry, I, I thought he was uh, coaching someone. Yeah, and, I'm not. Uh, I'm not certain, but I know he doesn't coach chess at least exclusively for a living. So I would guess we're referring yeah. to Neil himself. But um, oh, okay, okay, okay. So, so I think I think you're being successful because, for example, say for example that the King's Gambit. You know, you know, we could go back to play with Bronstein. You know, he played the King's Gambit. You know, he, right, yeah. Well, so, and, and he, he was really successful. And then he played for the uh, Soviet Union in the Chess Olympiad. And uh, uh, Botvinnik said to, said of their, their meeting, you know, at the start of the tournament, I hope no one's going to play the King's Gambit. You know, yeah. You know, and, and, and uh, um, but Bronstein virtually. Ever lost playing it, you know, and then Spassky played it as well. So I think uh, Adiban trotted out the King's Gambit a, a year or two ago. So every every once in a while, it still makes an appearance at the top top yeah, level. Yeah, the, that's right. That's right. So uh, you could say you know you could say White stands worse in King's Gambit, but but you know, you know it's you know it's quite it's quite exciting and you know and. You know, I, I think as long as time doesn't lose by force. Yeah, and I'll the other think, thing... I think you should play it. As long as you want to play it, you should play it. Yeah, because it gets back to sort of a general theme of, of the podcast that, that comes up, which is, uh, I mean, honestly, most of us are not going to be world champions. So you're playing chess for fun. So mm-hmm. I sort of, obviously getting better is is a good goal and uh, one that i encourage but i don't think that we should lose sight of the fact that this is a hobby um so exactly. if if, yeah. if if an opening brings you joy if it makes chess more fun for you then you know yeah you should you should play it basically um you know within that's reason true, though, yeah yeah that's true though um, having said that you know it's quite fun to get stronger as well yeah for sure when yeah winning is more fun than so losing you play something Something that that's fun, and uh, you get really, you know, you know, you get sort of two out of ten playing it. Perhaps you should think again, you know, you know, you know, shot. I play something else. I think it sort of depends, but but, but, but as you say, it should be fun. Yeah, you know, and, and, yeah. Uh, Got to find the yeah. right balance, though. It's a good point. You don't want to lose every game just because uh, that's not fun yeah, either. The, the, yeah, that's a, a good question, though. Yeah, and we have another one from uh, Aaron Wafflart. Who says hi, guys? Big fan of the podcast. I was wondering how important you think postmortems with your opponent are from an adult improvement perspective, especially for players rated below fourteen hundred. Thanks. Yeah, I think they're quite key. I think you know, I think they're extremely useful um, because you know, you know, if you've been playing someone, you sort of want to know what what they were thinking during the game. I think. You know, you know, it's quite useful, and you can learn some theory, and you know, you know, so on. You know, and, and, and if you're the same strength as someone, like say you say you're both around, you know, thirteen hundred, and uh, you know you play, 
and uh, you know, you know, someone wins, someone loses. Um, I mean, it's possible that he's got strengths which you don't have, and you've got strengths which he doesn't have, despite the same rating. So therefore, if you, you know, if you talk about the game, he might find things which you didn't see. You know, we might say, okay, I thought you should have done this, and you know, so I think it can be useful. But say for for my, you know, um, yeah, so. Yeah, I think 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 that's true. You, you should have you know, as long as you don't get you know as long as you're not playing a uh, say say sort of three three games a day, and uh, you probably don't want three. Yeah, especially in these American style Swiss tournaments yeah. where it's just one tournament. You've got, you've got to save your strength. Yeah, and, and I, I think I think. Yeah, but it can't hurt. You might you might be exposed to a new opening idea that you mm. know that you weren't aware of, um, and yeah. you know, in the case of it being a stronger player, of course, it might you might pick up something calculation wise or st- strategy wise. And if it's a player that's lower rated than you, then you can sort of think of paying it forward um, because yeah, because if right. you know if you are hopeful that stronger players will look at games with you, then then in turn, yeah, exactly, um, yeah, because. The- so if it comes to a theory, um, I think players are, often learn uh, something from just one side, the yeah. side that they're playing. So it's quite useful to, to actually find out what the, what the other side are thinking. So Neil, I'm you know? putting you on the spot here, but who is the strongest player you have ever done a post-mortem with? Uh, uh, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good uh, question, question, actually. Uh, um, um, I, I had a post-mortem with once that's that's pretty strong well Reason, yeah. <laughs> reasonable <laughs> answer <laughs> yeah I, I, I was gonna say my sort of most recent post mortem with someone very strong um i was playing at the um uh foreign cell so that's the english league and um and, and i played played against uh this female grandmaster called uh sadio kosova and, uh, and 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 uh, their best player was, was Richard Rapport, and, and, and he kindly joined in the post mortem. So that, that's a, a couple of weeks ago. Now, wow. I think. And you know, it's sort of rated twenty seven forty. I uh, sort of quite liked to actually uh, sort of mention some of the things he said because I thought that they were really instructive as, as far as trying to improve. Um, because you know, no, just a sort of difference in level. Because um, it, cause the game was a, um, a sort of, uh, you know, a sort of King's Indian uh, attack, and um, you know, at the start, you know, and a uh, uh, rapport said, oh, "Okay, players have been playing Queenie too here," you know, and so on. So, so despite the fact that he didn't play it, you know, himself, you know, he still knew something about it. And, and, uh, and uh, then, the, then the game get, got very uh, complex. No, and no, uh, no, uh, sort of look at it and, and uh, Sadler's uh, over was session moves, and, and you know as well. And, and uh, we got to the point where I, I sort of suggested a move, and, and he said, he, he said, your rook is hanging, and uh, I sort of looked at the position; it wasn't hanging, but it was going to be hanging. Hmm. Sort of, Couple of moves time, 
you know, you know the, right. which yeah. I, I'm handsome. And, and then the game carried on, and it, it was the, you know, and um, I was sort of trying to win in this Rook and Pornet end game, and, and he sort of said to me, um, "But the trouble is, if you win a pawn, it's still a theoretical draw because this 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 is going to happen." And and uh, you know and. Uh, I was thinking, okay, okay, that's true, but you know, and, and but, but I sort of hadn't seen that it was going to be a draw so far ahead. No, I, I was just trying to win a ball and then think about the future. But it, it, it sort of seemed that the whole strategy didn't didn't work. Just just going to draw, and then I, I think you know he said other things as well. But I think those three things kind of sort of show the difference, you know, no, 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 between players and, you know, the sort of thing you should be striving for. So at the start of the game, uh, you should be, you know, you know, becoming stronger at theory. And, and uh, then, then later on, uh, you've got to become sharper, you know. You've got to see, you know, nuances and, you know, you know such things. And then... Uh, Later on, you've got to find the you know, sort of theoretical draws and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and uh, so they're the three things. You know, the, the, cause they're doing and, and uh, that's what we're trying for. I think those those three things. Yeah, you can't can't leave you know, anything to get sharper to get better at theory. You know, the start of the game and the finish of the game. That pretty much and, sums uh, it up. So <laughs> why why yeah, is it so I, hard? I think so. <laughs> chess is quite chess is quite. Quite, quite a simple game, isn't it? You yeah, know, exactly. It's just so hard to play well, but yeah. And it's funny because, <laughs> of course, yeah, Richard. But when it comes down to the sort of things to cover, yeah. And, 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 and he's uh, one of these players known for so, like uh, more unusual opening repertoire than other top fifty players. So it's a, it's. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But his theory is still superior to mine. Yeah, of course, and uh, <laughs> and yeah. I mean, despite it's, the fact that I've, I've sort of written lots of theory books and that. Yeah, you don't get to number twenty-five in the world by faking it. So, um, uh, yeah, and that's yeah. Uh, that's awesome that he that he took the time to to look at a game. Yeah, that, yeah, that's very good of him. And you know, also Coulthard was good as well. You know, but 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 he he you know he seemed quite friend, friendly and everything. But because sometimes these sort of stories about Coulthard not being very nice, but you no, know, it's quite you know it's you know it's good in that game. Good, yeah. I mean, yeah, known, so, known to be uh, prickly at times, but he had his good moods as well. <laughs> um, he did, yeah, yeah. Okay, next yeah, so. up, uh, you got a lot of questions, Neil. So we got to we got to oh, keep okay. charging through them. So thanks for all the questions, yeah. guys. It always makes the show more interesting. Uh, from uh, Patreon supporter Bradley Dupree asks: For an adult trying to Im- efficiently improve, what's the best best method to discover specific weaknesses holding back one's game? For one working to get to the next rating level, would you ever advise someone to focus on working to make a strength even stronger to break out of a plateau, or is it always best to use the time, best use of time to focus on improving weaknesses? Gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's lots of uh, food, food for thought, thought there. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I think you no, know, I've actually found it. It comes to getting stronger. You know, if you say you've got strength, strength and things. Things like, uh, for example, uh, oh, I think my strategy is good, but my t- tactics aren't so good. 
and uh, then it, it gets stronger. The, the sort of you know tactics take over from strategy. Then your strategy becomes stronger again, sort of so on, and, and find that the things go t together. So if you're working on on, on your strengths, uh, you, you're probably improving things you're not strong at at the same time. Say, for example, you're good at some theory, and, and uh, you sort of learn some more theory, so, so it becomes stronger still. And, and you find out, that because you, you've learned more theory, that you're supposed to castle queenside, you know, in this variation, then you become a strategically um, you know, you know, stronger as well, because you, you sort of know that you, you castle queenside. See what I mean? Yeah, especially uh, if you find out the reason, there there can be a tendency yeah, yeah, to just memorize the move. Yeah, that's right. And and and, and uh, so I think think it sort of goes t together. So I think it, if it's a difference between working on your strengths or or trying to cover your weaknesses, I think it's all just trying to get stronger. And, and uh, the two things complement each other. Um, 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 I think, but I, I think I mean, if you're trying to get stronger and, and you, you sort of reach a certain level, and uh, you don't seem to be getting stronger, um, I, I think you should focus on on, on strategy and, and, and how you you use your buttons because um, because you know um, you know no, if you've got a, a computer. And, uh, you know, you can sort of find out your tactical mistakes just through looking at the, you know, the computer, I think. You know, if it's only changes from, from the equal position to, to about minus three, then you've probably done something very, very serious, serious, seriously wrong. So you, you can improve the tactics that way. But I, I, I think uh, what you should do is um, you should go through your uh, games and uh, uh, just look at it every time. You, every time you push the pawn, you know, the, you know, no shy. Push this pawn. Sort of did it create targets. Did up. I, I let my opponent uh, uh, get strong pressure through pushing pawns on the other side of the board, and uh, and, and um, that sort of thing. Um, I did this book on a you know called Torrent of Chess Strategy. And uh, that was with, um, you know, uh, 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 the players in that book. You know, I, I sort of chose five, five very strong strategic players. Uh, so that was, uh, so it was Karpov, Kramnik, uh, Petrosian, and, and okay, and, and uh, the other strong uh, positional player. Oh, oh Capablanca. No, how, how could I forget him? And, and uh, okay, so there's five players in that book. Uh, there's four very good strategical players, and, and the fifth player of this book, you know, you know master strategy, uh, and it was Nimzovic. And, and I sort of chose Nimzovic because it, it, it was a sort of great teacher. Because you know, the, the start of it, he is a Career, it was very good, uh, you know, at uh, uh, combinations, but he wasn't so good on strategy. So he had to, you know, sort of learn it himself. And um, so, he, you know, so he, he, he sort of studied hard, and, and him, 
invented all these terms like um, prophylaxis, you no know, prevention, and, and all these you know, sort of overprotecting, book, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah sort of mysterious rook, rook moves, which, which is when as well. So he invented all these expressions uh, to sort of describe strategy. Whereas someone like um, uh, Capablanca, you know, he, he got a position and he had to play a very strong prophylactic move. He'd just play it because, it, you know, because he sort of realised that's the best plan. But for Nimzic, he had to learn. So, so he sort of gave us the expression strategy, and you know, touch But, but, and um, so that's why I think you, you know you should go through your games and, and think about things like prophylaxis, you know, prevention, and you know, should you restrain the opponent's uh, pawn structure. Yeah, although I do think with the positional stuff, that's where having a coach can really come in handy because, as you say, with computers, it'll catch your tactical errors. Um, so it's uh, it can be trickier if you if it's just one of those games where you're not sure exactly where you went wrong. Like those are the games where it may you may be better off getting a coach. And even if it's you know if if money is an issue for a coach, even if it's just a one off thing, you know mm. you can find coaches that aren't expensive. Um, yeah, as yeah, I've, as I've mentioned before, uh, like on the Lee Chess or Chess.com coaches page, just hire them as a one-off thing just to analyze your game. Um, I mean, obviously, there's stuff like Decode. They're working on sort of uh, uh, software that explains ideas. I think Chess.com even has something now uh, where they uh, attempt to explain in prose uh, what, you know, ideas that are not just straight-up tactics. Um, stuff like that is still a work in progress, and I'm sure the technology will improve. But the bottom line, at least to me, Bradley, um, is I personally think it's more important to isolate what's causing your losses more than anything else. So having strengths is good, but when you lose, why? And Neil, you actually had a quote in Coach Yourself uh, that I wanted uh-huh. to highlight. So, uh-huh. um, or that I did highlight when <laughs> when I read it, and I think <laughs> and I think oh. you yourself uh, even said to put like you wanted to put this one in italics in the book, which is um, the most valuable lesson. Here's the quote: "The most valuable lessons in a game are always technical rather than psychological. It's a big mistake to blame your losses on something abstract like not playing with enough creativity, or not trying hard enough, or feeling under the weather, or distracted." Um, unquote. Yeah, yeah, thing. Because, say, for example, you know, if you're playing Colson, for example, you know, you, know, you sort of go to the game, uh, Colson's got a heavy cold, you know, you know, and, 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 and um, you know, and he's not feeling good, you know, you know, he, don't, he doesn't really fancy, you know, this game with you. It's, you know, he's distracted, um, you know, he's got jet lag or something. If all these things, um, he's probably st- still going to win. Yeah, you know, if Colson's playing playing you, or you know, if he's playing someone of uh, twenty five hundred, he's still got a, a good chance to win. So I, I, I think you know the important thing is getting a you know, just like you said, get getting all, all, the, all the technical things right. You know, and then sort of like, because you know, have you seen Colson play uh, on uh, you know he sort of does this uh, you know. Uh, you know, blitz thing on um, chest twenty four, yeah. Chest twenty four. Now, I was watching his blitz game. You know, he's sort of describing his blitz games. 
you know, know as, as he plays them. And it, it, it's explained his moves. But what his, you know, you know what his hands are sort of doing is completely different to what his mouth's saying. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Because, you know, no, you know, no culture say, yes, uh, um, um, I should play this move to, you know, to increase the pressure. And, uh, and, and then it's it sort of sad, but, but at the same time as you say, it, you know, he's sort of instinctively avoiding all traps and he's stopping his opponent, you know, playing good moves, freeing, freeing his game, you know, freeing his game. So, so much is you know, sort of instinctive, you know. Yeah. Famed, famed, so famed chess intuition. Yeah, but I, I think it's something you sort of do to improve as well. You just say uh, study Karpov's games. Yeah, you know it could be, because it's your you know week at uh, something, and, and the you sort of see really good examples of it. So something something should wear off, and uh, yeah. so I, I think the trouble is. So um, I think when you get to certain age it's, it's much harder to, to sort of get the uh to sort of to sort of learn uh the sort of key thing from a game because I, I think if you're young uh, uh you, know, you know you sort of play a game and, and straight to, to where you sort of learn the key lesson but i, I think when people get to you know it, it's harder to find you know to actually grasp things i think when, because i mean i, I sort of read you and I, I listen to one of your Podcast, so um, I think it, um, it was with someone called um, 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 Stacia Pugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, number adult improver. Yeah, she's seven. Yeah, and, 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 and uh, one thing she said, uh, she said, if you're going through chess, you know, sort of a, a positions, you know, you know, sort of mating three, and, and you, know, uh, you should you should you should sort of do them by theme. Mm-hmm. So you, you should look at say ten puzzles with the same theme, because she says, and, and if you don't, you, you could find find the solution, but you don't really uh, understand the uh, sort of combination. Right. If that makes sense. Whereas you know, you know, whereas it, she sort of do them according to theme. You, you sort of understand, you know, what sort of happens. Because, because that's very interesting. Because you know, um, quite a few teachers that they um, uh, they sort of don't give you puzzles through themes. You know, for example, this is book uh, called Good Move Guide. Um, it's by Larson, and uh, and, and, and he gives puzzles, but he doesn't get to give them a according to theme. Yeah, so you, you, you have a smothered may followed by a sort of decoy or something. And, and um, you know, no, no, but, 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 I, but I think I think for um, for people of a certain age that are studying chess, it's probably better to do it according to theme. Yeah, I've heard both sides of that argument because on the one hand, you do want to assimilate patterns as much as you can, but on the other, you don't know what theme you're getting in a tournament game. I kind of like the way the step series does it, where. They have different puzzle sheets on theme, and then at the end they have like a mixed tactics section. Yeah, section. yeah. So you get a little of that's why. So yeah, that's why. It's, so it's like sort of real game, you know. Yeah, you know, a puzzle and a game. And you get yeah. a little bit oh, of oh, both. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, and, and uh, you, you said going back to postmortems, and I just remember someone 
she sort of uh, strongly gave me a, a small uh, that was Larson wow it, 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 he played at a Hastings in the in fact, I, I, I played post-mortem. I, I didn't actually play him, but but I, I, I was playing the the Hastings uh, Swiss tournament, and, and he was playing the top group. And I, I was standing at a hotel, and I, I was sitting at a chessboard, and Larson just just came up, sat down, you know, and started showing me his games. Wow! <laughs> was, wow! Unbelievable. Like, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, sometimes I, I think players will want to get games out of their system you know, as well. So, so, so perhaps you know that's why they uh, um, sort of do that. Oh, oh, oh and then, so this reminds me of um, um, I, um, I was playing at Lloyd's Bank a long time ago, and, um, and, and, and uh, Chris Ball played uh, against John Nunn. And and, um, and uh, Chris Wolfe played the you know he's um, Sicilian dragon you know, you know his favourite and uh, John Nunn started this fierce attack and and, and, and I think he, he um, sacrificed something um, you know you know he either sacrificed a rook or his queen or something but you know it's very nice finish and and uh, so it's going through the game with um, uh, Chris you know, you know he was just showing it to me you know you know after the game. And and, uh, and uh, we got to this point where uh, John Nunn played, played this you know, fantastic sacrifice, and um, but Chris Wall said said yeah yeah he, 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 I hoped it, he wouldn't see it that he, he sort of played something else. No, for example, and, and they picked up a pawn, actually just pushed the pawn, and and uh, so Chris picked the pawn up. Um, Spassky came. Past, and uh, you know, and he didn't sort of break his stride. He, he, he sort of came and walked on. He sort of looked sideways at the board, and he, he saw the uh, combination straight away. Hmm. So it, it, he sort of played it. He, you know, he just played the first move of the, of the combination. You know, the, the sacrifice, and, and uh, Chris was still holding the pawn, and uh, and, and, and um, so he played it, and Spassy didn't stop. He just sort of strutted on, <laughs> and 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 and, and, uh, and, and um, Chris Wall was sort of laughing, and you know, because you know, we'd actually seen the combination it had happened in the game. But I, I suppose especially for oh, these uh, they're going to be very impressed if I just you know play the move and walk on. Right, but, that's a great story. <laughs> that's funny. But, but we won't, we probably weren't quite as impressed as he thought. So that's yeah. A- that's great. So, Neil, I just have a couple more questions for you if you're up for it. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, so um, let's see. Um, let's uh, ask this last question from Greg Natel. So this is the last uh, uh, question from a listener of the podcast, and I just want to oh, mention okay. that Greg yeah. is the person who last week um, when I was talking to Jason Segan, he is the recently retired 62-year-old who's – keen to spend 20 hours a week on chess so um now i can reveal his identity and greg is super gung-ho i know he's in that familiar position for us chess players where he's ordering you know his uh his his stomach is his uh, what's the saying my uh 
My my eyes are bigger than my stomach. Um, <laughs> That's right. He's he's ordering every chess book under the sun. Um, uh, you know, I, I apologize for any role I may have played in that, Greg. But so Greg asks, uh, I have a new question uh, among among older authors. Which one is still the most helpful to read? Uh, Ruben Fine, Chernov, Reinfeld, Horowitz, Albert Keen are some of the people he mentioned as possibilities. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Um, um, Okay, Fine, for example, Ruben Fine, his books are still uh, fan- fantastic. You know, you know, he did that really thick Endgame book, you know, you know, do you remember um, Basic Chess Right, yeah. It's sort of fantastic, you know, it's got, it's, it's got a really lucid style and, and, and that, you know, you know it's, a, it's a great Because uh, Coulson said that, that you, know, you know, that they played it in the same style, didn't they? I think. Yeah. Do you remember, you know, when someone said, you know, who do you think you play like? Uh, Colson said, Ruben, fine. So it's got this really nice um, um, chess style and, and it's explaining things. And, and, and uh, it's basic chess and games. It's a really good book, but, it's, you know, but, but, you know, it's not heavy going in the sense that, he, you know, it explains things in a very simple style. It's, it's, it's just, just so long. You know, it's about, you know, I don't know how long it is. But it's probably the thickest chess book I've got. And, uh, uh, but it's certainly worth studying um, uh, uh, Ruben Fine. And uh, Chernev, I mean, you know, I think, it, it, again, he sort of explains th- things really well. And uh, I think, you know, it, uh, and he sort of explains things. He, he doesn't really... Really explain things, you know, in, in sort of variations. You know, you know, he sort of explains things very well in words. I think. And, and, and uh, so if you read his books, you've got to keep in mind he's not giving you that that, that whole story. Yeah, the computers, that, that, the computers may not agree with every word he says, but I do think he's a good yeah. writer and good at explaining yeah, I, ideas. I think it, also, it's, it's sort of fun, isn't it? As well, the way he writes. Yeah, you know, you know, he's got a great. No. no, no so he's very good, you know. He, you know, before he before he, he sort of gives a game in a book, he, he sort of finds all, he finds the game given various sources with uh, comments by other players. So I think that's really good. So for example, you know, if he gives the game by um, Smizlov, you know, he, he, he'll probably fan that game with a comment somewhere else. So you know, because he's very good at sort of bringing stuff together as well. So it's got this really nice writing style, and it's a good compiler. That, and I think, and um, I, I forgot to admit, uh, uh, Fred Fred Reinfeld. Um, I've not really seen 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 his books much. Yeah, I read them. They were some of my first books because when I was a kid, they were like if you hmm. go to the library, that's what you'd find. Yeah, but I don't yeah. I don't remember them a lot. I know Alex Dunn, a longtime writer for for Chess Life magazine has just written a biography of him, but I, yeah, I, I'm not really qualified to judge his works, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and, and uh, the other, other guy, Ho- Horowitz. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I can sort of tell you this story, that um, he did this book uh, from, from Morphe to Fisher, to which, uh, to which was a sort of great book, you know, um, um, it probably didn't contain many chess games. I, oh, perhaps it did. I, but, 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 but the thing I sort of remember about it was lots of words, lots of 
no sort of descriptions of chess players, so on. So that was a that was a really good uh, book, and I sort sort of read it when I was about you know about seventeen, eighteen, and, and uh, you know it's called From Morphe to Fisher, and, and um, it, the start of Morphe, uh, you know, he sort of describes how Morphe came to 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 London in, in um, 1857 or whatever, and uh, you know, and and uh, then it, he went to France, and he, he sort of crushed all the best players in the world, apart from Staunton, and um, Staunton um, um, refused to play him because uh, um, he, he he said he you know he, he sort of doing his um, uh, Shakespeare book, so he didn't have the chance to. Um, play chess with him and, and, and in this book Horowitz really um, um, attacks Staunton you know for sort of you know for, for avoiding the match and, and I sort of read all that stuff and uh, then I was um, uh, um, trying to get into university to, to, to um, become a you know actually study uh, English and American literature and um, you know I sort of read this book you know, you know Chris I was now, so I got Shakespeare. You know, I was looking through, um, you, know, you know, my Shakespeare stuff, and um, there's this famous speech: you know, "To be or not to be, that is the question." You know, whatever. And um, it sort of carries on about, you know, sh- should you take up arms against a uh, sea of troubles, or you know, or, you know, and so on. So, so, so Shakespeare said, "Sea of troubles," and. Um, and in the book, you know, I sort of looked back at it and it said, um, Staunton thinks that's wrong, that Shakespeare got, got it wrong, because uh, you, you, don't, you don't fight a sea with uh, uh, weapons. Mm. So it said, you know, you know no, so that's your commentator in the back of the book, said, um, you, know, you know, Staunton said it should be siege of troubles instead, because that makes sense, because then you do. Uh, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, I sort of... Seem, seems really strange that you know, you know, the, uh, this is the same um, Stoughton that that's criticised for for not playing Morphe, you know, right. among chess fans. But 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 he's still being quoted. His book on Shakespeare, you know, you know still being quoted. Wow. For, for, for his, you know, you know, improvements on on um, you know, you know, his um, poetry and, and so on. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so uh, but 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 but, 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 but Horowitz. So I sort of read his book. I um, thought it was very interesting. I'm not sure. He, you know, it's nice like a sort of saying, did he get his facts right? I sort of don't know. But it, 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 it was a you know a very nice book. And uh, okay, and and I have to say about uh, uh, you said Albert. Leather uh, Albert. Yeah, I assume he means uh, Lev Albert. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and uh, I think um, yeah, I'm not really seen his books either because I, I think they they're probably a bit too late for me, perhaps. Yeah, probably, I've you know. yeah, I, I'd Lev Albert. Right. I can talk about a little bit. I mean, of course, he's been on the show, and uh, we had yeah, some. Yeah, 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 I sort of read his um his books in the sort of 1990s, like like he did a book on. Alekhine's defense. Yeah. Because, you know, I remember that. That was good stuff. And, and that. And, and I think he, he did some other Fianchetto stuff or something. 
But uh, but but as far as some you know, instructional books, I, I think he sort of did them later. And yeah, passed me by a little bit. Yeah, and I would say that's not for for Greg, who is fairly new to chess. I mean, Lev Albert does have the uh, correspondence. I mean, uh, comprehensive chess course. Um, but there's a lot of books like that. There's, uh, there's, as I mentioned before, the step series. And as you get more advanced, the Yusupov series. So there's lots of options in that vein. When, when you get a little stronger, Greg, uh, Lev Albert's, um, 300 positions. I can't live the little mini book. I, I should know the name, but, but I can't remember. I'll put a link yeah. to it. That one's good when you get, you know, 16, 1700 strength. But, but before then, I don't, I think, uh, you'd be, you'd be better off with, um, with some of the other authors we've talked about. Um, and last but not least, the controversial Raymond Keane, who I think you know a little bit. So Yeah, yeah, no, no, his books are good. I, I think, you know, I mean, uh, um, if, if you go back about 20 years, he did some very good books, didn't, didn't he? Like, like, he did a book on uh, Stein, you know, you know sort of master of, of attack. Uh, he, he did that book on, on Nimzovich, you know, sort of reappraisal. Thing. You know, and then sort of explained him you know, very, very, very well. Some people love him, you know. Yeah. You know, that say so is great. But, you know, it, you know, perhaps he sort of, you know, divides the opinion a bit, you know. But, 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 but I actually, you know, I actually like his books. You know, I think there's some really good stuff there. I think he explains things really well. Cool. And, uh, but, Okay, so Greg, I hope that was helpful. Neil, last thing before I let you go, we haven't done the hard sell on your books yet. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, So coach yourself. (laughs) So coach yourself. I I just say it's um it's really good. I mean it's uh it's quite comprehensive. Uh, it's like I don't know how many. Do you know how many pages it is, Neil? Um, Um. I'm not sure actually. Yeah. Um, It's hundreds of pages and a lot of sort of more (laughs) modern. Uh, chess masterpieces so games that you might have come across in the past few years if you've been following chess or if you haven't it's sort of a great way to catch up because you do a good job sort of you might show like a classic example of a certain theme and then pull in something modern that that magnus or someone like that uh was able to play and you talk about different phases of the game a lot of different positions so it's really um kind of it reminded me a little bit of uh joel benjamin's recent book in that it's um it's got material for all phases of the game uh, and can help a wide range of levels. Did you have um, did you have an intended audience in mind in terms of uh, rating level when you wrote Coach Yourself? Um, yeah, um, well, um, it's probably yeah, but it's past that fourteen hundred or sort of fifteen hundred. But 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 the thing is, it's why I sort of do that sort of book. I'm I'm sort of thinking about myself when I. I was about to say twelve years old, because you know, no, I was a sort of big fan of you know chess then, and, and, and I sort of love love players like uh, uh, Capablanca, you know, and, and, and I, I can remember, for example, I went to Gradian Library when I was about twelve, and I got some really good chess books out, you know, you know, there's a unknown Capablanca was one book, you know, some books by Parkman and over these sort of guys and I sort of set, sat down to read them you know because I was and, and I couldn't understand them at all and uh, so so what I sort of tried to you know and, and the, the first player I sort of really understood 
was a Cabablanca to where he did comments to his games to now sort of chess fundamentals mm-hmm. because Classic, he, yeah. he, he just seemed to explain things in, 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 you know, in a really um, simple, clear style, which I, I could uh, understand. So I, I think I think virtually all, all my own books on strategy, I, you know, I've been trying to, you know, sort of copy Cabablanca, trying to try and try and explain things without too many variations. Yeah, and, and uh, I'm a, you know, no, no, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say I'm a big fan of uh, Giants of Chess strategy as well. Um, as as oh, thank you, as yeah, you're alluding you. to, and and as a scholastic teacher, your books. Um, are in that sweet spot where uh, they're good. They, as you say, they're digestible, so they I can use them for material for my students. Um, they're they're you break things down in in a way that's easy to understand. But obviously, since you're you're pulling from games of these uh, incredible chess players, um, I can learn from it as well. It's not like it's only for for lower rated players because I mean between the classics that you that you have in there and uh the modern masterpieces from Wei Yi and Magnus Carlsen and yeah, and yeah. so on and uh Caruana and so on and so forth um obviously there's a ton I can learn from players like that as well so so yeah it's a, it's an it's a good book and and um you know uh in the case of um coach yourself I mean just so much material in there that that it's basically um you know it's guaranteed to to be worth your while because there's just so much stuff there that, that something is going to resonate, you know, um, with, okay. between. Thank, thank you. Thank, thanks for saying that. Yeah. Oh, sure. My pleasure. Yeah. You know, you know, it's always great to hear you know, someone likes a book. Yeah, you know, definitely. Know. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, yeah. I'm glad that, that you're, 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 um, plugging away on book number 37 <laughs> yeah. so do you have a uh, number 38 in the works neil um I, 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 i've got something on the on a strategy okay up. yeah 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 so and, and uh, i've got a, got a foreign trip coming up quite quite soon about 10 days time um, um i'm going to 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 the um european junior championship in fact the european schools championship and so that should be fun that's in that's in romania oh wow so but, speaking of but, the, the foisers yeah. you know now think about junior chess uh the the united states are looking really strong yeah but, you know i've sort of coached in, in sort of well uh, cadets you know that's a world under 10 under you know 12 and so on and, and, and uh, you've, got, you've got some really great players. So, yeah. you know, thinking in about, sort, in about sort of 15 years' time, you know, you know, you know the United States team, they'll be like the team of the 1930s. Wow. I think. That's you know. good to hear. Well, I mean, apparently obviously... they're very, very good. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, I'm not saying the current batch you know, is not good. Yeah. Because you're the, you know, you know, well, in fact, you came second, didn't you? Didn't yeah, you second tied, tied for first, I believe, but second on tie yeah, breaks, yeah. tied for first, so yeah. that's good. But, but yeah, lots of really good players. Yeah, well, and I'm glad they'd be homegrown. I know some people grumble that, that players like Wesley So, uh, even though he plays for the U.S., and, and more recently, uh, Linier Domenga is now representing the U.S. So it'll be good to get yeah. some homegrown talent. Um, we'll certainly have our hands full competing with uh, China and India and Iran and the other powerhouses. And hopefully, yeah, I mean... True. 
I mean, you guys have yeah. two. Great Britain has two twenty seven hundreds in uh, David Howell, and I know Gawain Jones has been tearing it up lately. Um, yes, he has. Yeah. He's, yeah. So he's been doing well. You know. Yeah. So so we got book, but you know, but but it's going to be quite interesting to see the way you know, things you know turn out in sort of ten years' time. Because that, that's the thing about chess. In the, it's so exciting, isn't it? Now there's always things changing and so on. Like yeah. you know, it's like you know, there's always some fresh tournaments and so on. You know, to to watch. Yeah, and it feels like so. the change the change in chess is accelerating. If anything, but I mean, with like uh, Alpha Zero changing how we play on the board and. Uh, Oh, you know yeah. the the rate of change of how people how fast people are improving seems to be accelerating as well. Oh, that's okay because uh, you, you talked to uh, Matthew Sadler, didn't you? And, yeah, uh, yeah, that was and Nat- Natasha Reagan. Quite an honor. Yeah. That. That's really that's really it's not exciting. Yeah. Um, okay, Neil. So yeah. if people want to keep up with your projects, um, is there a best way to do so? Um, if they wanted to reach out to you, how is there any way to do that? Um, uh, probably through the. Publisher, I, okay, I so yeah, Every Man Chess has a Twitter know. account, so I can link to yeah. that, and you can reach Neil um, through that. Um, and yeah, we look forward to more books in the future, Neil. And and, and thanks a lot for for joining us. Oh, thank you. That's been great. Thanks to everyone who helps make Perpetual Chess possible. That includes my producer Matthew Passy, Geert Vandervelt for supplying the theme music, my wonderful guests, of course. And I also want to thank everyone who helps spread the word about the show, whether it's on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, telling an actual friend, an actual person about it. Every little bit helps grow the show. But most of all, I want to thank people who support the show financially. Without your financial support, this show would not be possible. I love doing it, but it is a lot of work. So I most of all want to thank Chessable for their support. And I also would like to give extra special thanks to the following people and entities. Quality Chess Books, the Capital City Chess Club, Andrew Bach, Austin Clough, Benjamin Handelman, Kathy Carr, Chad Oliver, Dan O'Hanlon, I am Dimitri Schneider, Greg Shahadi, Guven Manet, Jens Green, John Jernigan, Kelly Palmer, Lone Pine Chess, the Law Offices of Stuart Katz, Sidney Andrews, Thomas Tachenko, and Todd Bryant. And I'd also like to thank the following Patreon partners. You guys are... Aaron Wafflart, Ace Vallega, Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adam Vrancouge, Adrian Gutierrez, Alex Pejas, BetterChessTraining.com, Bill Moran, Brett Howard Lynn, Brett Zeldo, Brian Mullis, Chad Hilton, Chris Balcom, Chris Flanagan, Chris Wayne Scott, Christopher Bumgardner, Christopher Chabri, Christopher Wood, I am Christoph Zalicki, a.k.a. Chess Explained, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Daniel Gell, Daniel Ginsberg, Daniel Lucas of the U.S. Chess Federation, Daniel Naylor, Daniel Schaefer, Dave Saylor, David Cramley of Chessable.com, Dwayne Edmonds, Ethan Smith, I am elect Donnie Ariel, the Fox Valley Chess Club of Aurora, Illinois, Frank Tortoris, MD, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Geert Vandervelt of Chessable.com, Gerard Barda, Giovanni Russo, Greg Natal, Harish Srinivasan, GM Jakob Ogard of Quality Chess Publishing, James Bonastia, Jason Woolham, Jeff Anderson, Jeffrey Martello, John Fernandez, John Fontaine, John Hartman, Jen Shahadi, Jerry Wells, JJ Strand, John Thompson, GM Josh Friedel, Kare Christensen, WGM Katarina Nemsova, Kelly Palmer, 
I am Kostya Kovyotsky, Krishna Gopala Krishnan, Laura Boyavsky, Lucio Casada Silva, Martin Knudsen, Matthew Passi, Matthew Tedesco of SeattleChessMeetup.org, The Mysterious Moon Master 9000, The Legend Grows, Mr. Mike Shahadi, Nate Salon, Neil Bruce, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Passi Passanen, Paul Bain, Paul Clarkson, Paul Sweeney, Paolo Santana, Peter Lux, Peter Merrifield, Brandy Temple, Ricky Grijalva, Robert Steiner, Ryan Berg, Scott Doherty, Scott McKinnon, Steiner Lima, WGM Tatyav Abrahamian, Thomas Stanix, Thomas Tachenko, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Victor Vrancouge, William Peterson, Zhao Chang of Chess1000.com, and Zhivko Stoyanov. Thanks, everyone. Catch you guys next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.